really good to have an opportunity just to kind of open up the word and just be together. And so if you want to find your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10 here. Um, whoa, I noticed, uh, what is this here? Huh. There's a, I hope it's for me. Oh my. Oh, well, there's a, huh. There's, there's no name on this. Uh, huh. I don't I mean, does anybody want this gift? I don't know. I mean, we, uh, anybody, anybody want this? We have, we, what? No one? Okay, why don't you come up here if you want it? Come on up here. You got more than you bargained for, huh? Okay, all right, now tell us your name. Normandy. Wow, Normandy, we're so glad you're here. Well, you want to open this up then? You want to see what's in here? I, whatever's in here, you can have it, okay? You want me to help you? All right, let's see, see this here. All right, we'll open it up. What do you, what do you think this is? It's empty? What? What kind of gift is that? Something's missing, huh? Oh, well, thank you so much for that. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Wait a second. Hey, Normandy, hold on a second here. I think, oh wait, I see one more thing for you. Okay. All right. Okay, I didn't want you to break down on tears on me. Okay, so listen, you open this up, you can open after service, okay? And you need to share it. That's all I'm going to tell you, all right? Okay, you can go back to mama, all right? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Do not do this to your children or it'll scar them, Okay. But I tell you, you know, this, this is actually a lot of people's Christmas, what we just saw right there. There's, there's expectation and like, oh, there's a lot of fanfare and a lot of bling. And then all of a sudden, you kind of get to Christmas and you kind of get through Christmas and something seems to be missing. And I'll have to tell you that unless you know why Jesus came to the earth, your Christmas is going to be kind of like that, opening a really cool package and finding it to be empty. And why did Jesus Christ come to the earth 2,000 years ago? I mean, if you can't answer the question, get ready for another empty Christmas. In fact, you, maybe you've been going through like 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, 90 of them, okay? And there's just something seems to be missing. And that is that you need to understand that Christmas has significance for this reason. Jesus came not only to be a savior from sin, but he also came to be a shepherd. He came to be a savior. We get that. In fact, if I asked you to tell me about Christmas, a lot of you'd be able to give me some of the details. And I think a lot of you'd say yes. And, and Jesus came and you'd be able to tell me that probably Jesus kind of, he died for sin. And you would be absolutely right. But most people, when they come to Christmas, they don't really fully appreciate the fact that Jesus came to also be a shepherd. Now, I want you to know, like, I, I need a savior. I, I get that. I, I'm a sinner by nature. I wish I was perfect, but I am far from it. Check with my family. Okay. I got a track record of missing the mark. I need forgiveness. Even since I placed my faith in Christ back in college, I still sin. I need a savior. And, and really, when you come to like John 3.16, I think a lot of us are familiar with that verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that is the gospel. God provides forgiveness of sins and it's made possible because why? He has sent a savior. But do you know that Jesus is both a savior and a shepherd? And if you don't understand that the gift of Christ is to give us a shepherd in life, Christmas kind of sometimes seems like this, empty, because something's missing until you lay hold of that. And it really shouldn't surprise us. I mean, you and I, we need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I mean, I need guidance. I need correction. I need care. I need encouragement. Uh, At times when life throws you curveballs and beats you up, And difficult things happen. I need healing. I need someone that is going to shepherd my souls. And guess what? God provides that. And you and I need a shepherd. And so it shouldn't surprise you. And yet, so often when we talk about Jesus as both a savior and a shepherd, most people aren't thinking about that when it comes to Christmas. It's really interesting. When you look at the Old Testament prophecies regarding this Messiah, this one who's going to take away the sins of humanity, who's going to take God's just wrath upon him, do you know that it highlights that Messiah is going to be a shepherd. Let me give you a little bit of background. So, for instance, like in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, this was a prophecy given by God to the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the coming of Christ. And it says this about this Christ. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing ewes. So he is going to shepherd his people. Or how about one that we're pretty familiar with? Does anybody know where Jesus was to be born? Anybody know? We have the kids in here, so we usually have all the right answers. Anybody know? You sing songs about this? A little town of... Yes, you in the back. Yes, Bethlehem. That is awesome. Yes. Do you know why we know that Jesus was to be born, the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem? Because of this prophecy given in Micah chapter 5, 700 years before it actually happened, it says this, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you, one, will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. And his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So an eternal one is going to actually enter into humanity, incarnation, and it's going to actually happen in the city of Bethlehem. And it says, therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel and listen to this. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. You see, Messiah is going to shepherd his people. And so, so you understand the great gift of Christmas is that Christ is not only a savior, but a shepherd. You have John chapter 10. This is such an awesome text. Once you let the full import of these words affect your life, you're going to find that you're forever changed because you realize that Jesus is indeed the good shepherd. Now, John chapter 9 is, comes right on the heels of some events that take place in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind man and he confronts the religious leaders of Israel and he points out, you've got it all wrong about me. And so in John chapter 10, he's going to contrast false shepherds contrasted to him who is the true shepherd and the good shepherd. And so he's going to talk with them about sheep 
and about shepherding. He's going to use something that every person in Israel would be very familiar with. They live in a very agrarian society. They were familiar with sheep. They were familiar with shepherds. And now, I mean, sheep, they, uh, they'd be very familiar. You and I are not so much familiar, but sheep always need caring for. Uh, they oftentimes can get lost. They're defenseless. They stray. Do you know that they never clean themselves? They're dirty animals. Um, they're, they're needing someone to actually take care of them. And if they don't find someone to care for them, they end up dying. And so you have shepherds. And shepherds would stay with sheep for a number of years. They, sheep would provide food, milk, and wool for clothing. And then the shepherds would provide the care and the leadership in their life. And so what Jesus is going to do is he said, let me, let me tell you what's going on here. I want you to know who I am. So he says, let me tell you about what's taking place. Chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. And so what he's talking about here is what would happen with shepherds and sheep. They would take the sheep, these shepherds, and that night they would put them in a pen. Uh, some of these pens would be made like of rock and they'd make kind of a rock wall. It could be a cave. Uh, if they were out in kind of the wilderness area, they would take thorn bushes and they'd put it either kind of in a square or a big circle. And then they would get all the sheep to go into one opening and then the shepherd would lie down in front of that opening. Or if he, there were a couple of shepherds, the assistant shepherd, okay, that guy got the duty of laying in front of the door. And his job was twofold. One, to keep the sheep from running out. And two, to protect them, okay? The only way the sheep could come out is if the shepherd came and called them out. Otherwise, that's the sheep were in this little pen. And he says that was needed because notice what happens There are some who try, like a thief and a robber, to climb in and to actually steal the sheep. So a thief kind of is like furtive and secretive and kind of creeping and kind of silently and quietly actually go and take the sheep. But a robber, he didn't, he's prone to violence. Like he would like, I'm just going to take on that under shepherd that's kind of hanging out there in front of the door. I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to put him in a situation where he can't actually guard the sheep. And then I'm just going to take him by force. Because something you need to know about sheep is that sheep only would respond to the voice of their shepherd. If you were just a stranger and you show up and you call the sheep, they're like, I don't know you and I'm not following you. Get lost. You know, that's kind of what they're doing. They don't talk quite like that. They do on veggie tales, but that's they just don't. And so Jesus says, you know, all who came before me, you know, these these guys, they're like, you need to understand there's a thief and robbers and they're trying to take the sheep. But. He who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. You see, what would happen is that the, then the beginning of the next day, the shepherd would come and the guy who was laying in front of the door, or maybe it was the shepherd himself, if there was only one, he just calls the sheep and guess what? And they, they just go with him. It's like automatic. They're always listening for the voice of the shepherd and they're going to follow the shepherd when he goes. And so Jesus says, you know, let's keep talking about sheep and shepherds. And he says, verse 3, To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hears his voice. And when he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And so here's a situation where you've got a doorkeeper. So you've got one of these little under shepherds. He's guarding the door so the sheep can't get out and no one can get in. But when the shepherd, the true shepherd shows up, they obviously recognize one another. And he says, hey, you know what? Time to go and run these little woolly 
uh, creatures all over Tarnation, and we're going to find him some water. So he gets up. The shepherd makes the call, and notice what he says. He calls them by name. How many of you have pets? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm super sorry for you. Oh, I mean, I mean, that's great. Okay, yeah, you have pets. How many of you have named your pets? Does anybody, everybody's name, does anybody have a pet that has no name? Okay, that's, you know what, we name our pets. Guess what shepherds did? They actually gave names to all their sheep. And they actually could call them, maybe it was a certain characteristic, you know, like Henri or whatever, you know, like the dwarves or whatever. And they would name all of the sheep. And he would call them, even by name, and they respond. And they were very familiar with this. And so he says, and, verse 4, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And so he's just saying something that everybody knows. Sheep follow their shepherd. Sometimes in these pens, you could have multiple flocks of sheep and they'd all get mixed up. Even today, if you like get a little tour of the Holy Lands, they'll show you like some Bedouin shepherds, okay? And they're herding sheep just like they did in the time of Jesus, which has been done now for thousands of years. And sometimes, like in a watering hole, eight or nine flocks will like all congregate. It's like you have a convention of sheep and they're just all mixed up, and you're like, oh, how are you going to ever sort them out? They're all kind of, you know, wooly, dirty. They all kind of look similar. And the shepherds, they're not worried about it. The people on the touring bus are like, oh, all the sheep are all mixed up. How are they going to be? Shepherds are totally chill, no problem. And when it's time to go, they make like a whistle, they make a call, and all of a sudden, the sheep that belong to that shepherd, hey, time to go, and they move on, and they go right with the shepherd. And they follow him wherever he goes. Uh, that's how it works. You know, it's interesting in the West, here, and we actually drive sheep, okay? So usually it's done like the shepherd either behind or on the side, and they have what is called a sheep dog. And the sheep are really afraid of the dog, and the dog just kind of chases them around and does whatever, hopefully, whatever the shepherd wants them to do. Well, that's not how it was in Jesus' culture or time. The shepherd walked, the sheep followed. And Jesus is telling us, and all of the religious leaders of Israel, and the people that are listening, they're all like, why in the world is he talking to us about things that we know a lot about? And Jesus recognizes that they need some clarification. They need an explanation, and they need some application. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you got some false shepherds that are trying to steal the sheep. I want you to know that I am the true shepherd. And I'm going to give it to you in utter clarity. And so that's what he does in verse 6. First of all, Jesus gives the imagery and says, you remember that door? The shepherd that actually lays right there at the door? I want you to know I'm like that door. Jesus is the door of the sheep. So he says, verse 6, this is what John writes, this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So once again, they're not really understanding what Jesus had to say, and so Jesus is going to give explanation and clarification. And so, verse 7, so Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, every time you see that in the Bible, you should really pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. This is the uh, third time that Jesus gives an I am statement. And he says, I am that door. You know how the shepherd protects and guards and keeps the sheep in? I want you to know that I'm it. And what he's pointing out here is he's saying that I am the only way. If you really want to be in God's flock, you want to be a part of his people, you need to understand something. 
It's only through me. I am the door. Remember what he later say in John 14, 6? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus wants people to completely understand. If you really want spiritual life, you want real relationship with God, you want to really be a part of his people, you want to experience his care in his life, in your life, you've got to go through me. I'm the door. I'm the door to the sheep. And notice what he says, verses 8 and following. He says, all who come before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. It's a dangerous world out there. There's a lot of folks that are going to try to lead you astray. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Literally, you'll be saved from your very sins and you will go in and out and find pasture. God will give you food for your soul, but you've got to always go through him. And then look at this. This is such a familiar verse, but look at it in context. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, that's what Jesus offers. Jesus offers life. When he talks about life with God, when he talks about this life that, and it's abundant, it's eternal life. It not only is unending, but it is a quality of life. It is life with God. Life actually united with him, the shepherd. His spirit in your life, he cares for you, loves you. He is actually allowing you to experience joy in life. It is vibrant. It makes the most of life. Others, he says, are like thieves and robbers. They're going to lead you astray. They're going to try to steal your soul. He says, but I've come to give you life. And if that's really what you want, if you really want life, you want forgiveness of sins, you'd like to be rescued and saved, there is one that's been provided. Jesus says, I'm the door. And you only have relationship with the living God through me. And now this doesn't deny the fact that life is hard. I mean, there, Jesus says there's thieves, there's robbers. Life is painful. There are wolves you're going to find out. They're going to try to just run wild on these sheep and kill them. I mean, it is a dangerous world out there. But Jesus says, listen, I came that you might have life abundantly. You see, what Jesus does is he takes us deep into life itself. Where even in the midst of kind of the chaos and the pain and the problems, there is a calm that comes from trusting and knowing Jesus, the Lord. And so Jesus says, listen, I am the door to the sheep. And something else you need to know about me. I am the good shepherd. Look what he says in verse 11. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, here's the fourth time he used, makes this I am statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. Previous shepherds are trying to lead you astray, but I want you to know that I'm the good shepherd. And you know that I am intrinsically good. It's almost, it's, he's making a claimed deity, that he's God. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Five times in this passage, you're going to find that Jesus says, I lay down my life. He is going to die as a substitute for his people. You see, it's like this. The authentic shepherd, he actually becomes the sacrificial lamb for his sheep. He lays down his physical life so he can give anyone who believes in him spiritual life. And so he literally comes to care for his sheep. 
so much does he love them that he's willing to die for them. Now, don't you find that it's interesting that the Bible and Jesus oftentimes refer to God's people as sheep? And that's not really necessarily a compliment so much as it is to kind of give you some really good understanding of what it must be like for God giving care and oversight to his people. I mean, sheep do not have a lot of common sense. They're actually very self-seeking. They they actually cannot live well without a shepherd. They're jealous when it comes to food. Um, They're actually one of the few animals that is incapable of cleaning themselves and grooming themselves. Uh, in fact, they don't even try, okay? Have you notice your pets, they're trying to like, groom themselves and take care of them? The sheep, they don't bother, you know what I'm saying? We're a wreck and we don't care, you know? It's like college life when we're just going on to class, you know what I'm saying? And, and they, they, they're, they're not actually super friendly. I know on the TVs they want to make them look like they're super friendly, but they're really not. They're highly dependent upon the shepherd. Uh, they actually have a huge need for someone to give them guidance and care for them and provide for them. Uh, but they don't actually act like they they need it. Uh, they're they're not appreciative. Uh, to show you like kind of the intelligence level we're dealing with with sheep here. Okay, it's a little gross. So if you don't want to hear this. You can cover your ears, kids, or adults, or whatever. They sheep will actually eat their own droppings. Okay, I didn't put any pictures up there. I didn't want to gross you out. They try to make you not see that when you're taking the little fair at the county fair and the Texas State uh, deal, but. They do, and it's, they, they have to muzzle them sometimes. It's, it's gross and disgusting. They are, um, I mean, they're super finicky. Like, if it's cold out and their water gets cold, they won't drink it, even though they're dehydrated. They, uh, they want you to warm the water up. They're, they're pretty finicky. Um, you know, so they're prone to attack. You know, like even uh, David, when he's given his credentials, he's like, listen, I've taken on a bear and a lion, you know, watching the sheep. Okay, but when sheep are under attack... It's like they don't even know what's going on. Oh, a coyote will take down like a sheep next to him, and the sheep will like, like they don't, it's not a big deal. They don't they don't try to defend themselves. They don't necessarily gather. Uh, in fact, they seem to kind of even lack a reason for living. They uh, they when things don't go right, they just kind of like curl up and die. They need a shepherd to kind of keep them moving. And yet, one thing, they do respond to the voice and the care of the shepherd. And that's why the Bible uses sheep to talk about people. Because you and I are so much like that. And Jesus says, I want you to know, I am the good shepherd. I've got this underlined because this is exactly what I need. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd. How much does he love us? How much is he committed to my well-being, your well-being? He lays down his life for the sheep. You see that? There was a, a lady, um, she's a young mother. Her name is Brenda Nixon. Uh, things were not really going well at home. Her husband's job was in jeopardy. Uh, it, was, it was stressful. You ever been there? She was actually kind of getting depressed about all the different things that are going on in her life. Uh, she was involved in working with the kids at, at church. And in her class, she had the three-year-olds, and she's investing in them every single week. And uh, so they kind of, she got the material for what they're going to be doing on Christmas. And, and lo and behold, uh, she reads, and it's John 10 about teaching the children that Jesus is the good shepherd. And she's like, there's got to be a mistake. I mean, this is Christmas. We're, what does the good shepherd have anything to do with Christmas? But, you know, she kind of read it and 
she's spurring herself, and, you know, so she, it comes, you know, Sunday morning, and so they, they, they get through crafts. You know, sometimes that's a chore. The craft, of course, was you got a picture of a sheep, and you put the cotton balls with glue on it, right? Okay, and they did that, and she says, you know, somehow we managed to do that. We got through snack time. Everybody stayed alive, and it was time for circle time where I'm to- supposed to tell all these city kids about sheep and Jesus being the good shepherd. And she goes, they're going to be totally clueless, and I'm not even sure why Jesus is called the good shepherd. And so she thought, I'll just ask my little three-year-old cherubs. And so she does. She asked him this. So, kids, um, why is Jesus called the good shepherd? And, of course, you know how kids are. They got their hands up. They're going to answer the question, even if they don't even know what the question is or they know what the answer is. They just, i got to talk. You know what I'm saying? And so she calls on one. And why, why, are, why is Jesus called the good shepherd? And this little kid says, well, that's because when the sheep fall down, Jesus picks them up. And I want you to know, he does that. He loves you and cares for you. That's in contrast to those who will abuse you and will walk away from you and are not true shepherds. They may play the role in good times. They certainly want the accolades. But he says, you want to know, verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. Huge difference between an owner and someone who is just hired to kind of watch the sheep. You see, an owner, man, those are my sheep and I'm going to defend them to even my death. But if you're like, hey, this is just my little part-time job here, and you know, I'm just watching these sheep, and the wolf goes, whoa, that's a scary wolf, man. That, that might require some energy on my part. I might have to think about how to handle this situation. We're not going to be just a little bit dangerous. Eh, eh, no way. You can't pay me enough to do that, right? And, they, and the hired hand just walks away. You always know the true shepherd because the true shepherd sticks in there. And when he says the owner, it speaks to the fact that Jesus is purchasing his people you know how he does that don't you he purchased his people with his own blood he dies and pays for their sin and he redeems them and he says listen the hired hand he sees the wolf he takes off but not me i am the good shepherd and look what he says verse 14 following i am the good shepherd and i know my own and my own know me even as the Father knows me, I have no, uh, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see that? I know them. I know them intimately. It's not like he just has an, an awareness of them. You need to understand, Jesus knows everything about us. Just like a, a shepherd would know everything about the sheep, on a far grander scale, on a much more deeper level, Jesus knows everything about his people he knows that we're sheep and we make a lot of stupid mistakes and we do foolish things and we are obvious needs for help and guidance he knows all that he knows our names really interesting jesus in his earthly ministry you know even before he had met people you know like before there's introductions he would actually sometimes call them by name he knows simon he knows zacchaeus he knows their names he knows he knows your nature 
you know, just like shepherds know kind of the nature of their sheep. You know, some of them are afraid of like shadows or their own shadow or high places. You know, he, a shepherd knows all about their sheep. You know, this one's prone to like, you know, really act weird when they see like a cactus or whatever. Like, okay, I, I can, I handle that. Jesus knows the nature of his sheep. I know that you're prone to really freak out over really minor things. Or you turn uh, just a small issue into a federal case. And I know that you really are fear-oriented and you're afraid of all these things. I know that you really don't know how much I love you. You're, you put on a mask. I, I know, all, Jesus, is, I'm a good shepherd. I know everything about you. You see, he knows them by name. He knows their nature. I mean, think about just all the different personalities Jesus had with the initial disciples. Disciples. I mean, you got like Peter. Okay, this guy is impulsive and outspoken. You know, I mean, Jesus has to like Peter. Like, it'd be a good time for you to be quiet now. You know what I'm saying? And then you've got like Thomas, and he's just always kind of doubting and hesitant. You know, like I'm not really sure. And then you got a guy like Andrew, and he's such a people person. Ah, oh, surprise! Here I am. I'm the life of the party. You know. And Jesus, he has all sorts of different sheep. Introverts and extroverts and hybrids. And he's got them all together. And he knows everything about them. And he, and he loves them. He knows their name, name. He knows their nature. You know what? He even knows their needs. He really knows what we need. Not just their wants. Because sometimes our wants, which we might call our needs, really is the wrong thing for us. Like we might eat the wrong food. We really want it. We really think like, oh, if I just had all this money or if I had this job or this girl would marry me or whatever, then it would all be wonderful. And Jesus actually knows what we need. And so he says, yes, and I am the good shepherd and I love my own. I know them intimately. And he says, you know what? There's something else you need to know. Verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. What's he talking about? You see, he's saying, listen, I am a Messiah. I am the one, the promised one, and I'm going to gather my people. And yes, you're thinking it's all Jews. And I want you to know, I have a whole bunch of people that are not Jews. They are Gentiles. They don't know anything about the Jewish faith. But I want you to know that I have lots of people. I am the savior for the world. And I am a shepherd for all of them. And yet in our church right now, I know that a few of you actually have Jewish backgrounds. I can see some of you right now. But most of us, we have no Jewish blood, no Jewish background. We're Gentiles. You see this verse, verse 16? That's us. Jesus saying, listen, I've got sheep you don't even know about. They are not of this world, and I must bring them and also, and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. That one flock is the church. And that's God's grand intent. Whether you're Jewish in background or you're not Jewish in background. You're all together united in one head, Christ. And he is the savior and the shepherd. And we're the church, one body, loving, living together, united by a common savior filled with his spirit. And so he says in verse 17 and 18, though, for this reason... Listen to this. This is so good. The father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. Did you see that? He's saying, I'm going to lay down my life and I am going to rise again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. You see that verse 18? And I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again 
This commandment I've received from my father. What he's talking about here is I've got the power to actually not only willingly on my own initiative, on my terms, follow the will and the, of the commandment of the father to lay down my life. Don't get the idea that Jesus was like some sort of martyr or he couldn't control what was happening. Uh-uh. He willingly had himself crucified in such a manner to pay for sins, to fulfill the prophecy, to reveal the character of the nature of God. But he says, I also have that exact same authority and power to rise again. Both the Father and the Son and the Spirit are also at work in bringing about the resurrection. And I don't want you to miss this. Jesus says, I've got the power. I am the good shepherd. And I'm not just any old shepherd. I'm not just good. I'm God. And I can provide care for you. I can provide salvation for you. And I will authenticate to the world by virtue of my resurrection. Well, you need to understand. Not only is he claiming to be the door and the good shepherd. Well, this is going to create a huge controversy. Jesus brings a response from people. You can't just like, well, I'm going to just take a pass on like uh, figuring out whether I'm going to really believe in Jesus or not. No, no, no. You can't do it. And neither could these people. Look at verse 19. A division, you could say that, occurred again among the Jews because of these words. You see, there's a a division, man. It's like people will do almost anything to avoid facing the truth. And you would expect that if Jesus is the door, you're either on the outside or the inside, right? You can't be like on the doorstep, right? You're either in one place or the other. There is going to be a division and Jesus Witnesses, a division occurred among the Jews because of these words. And look at this division. Verse 20. Many of them, not just a few, many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? I'll tell you what. The Bible always records it just the way it is. This is blasphemy and slander. They know exactly what he's saying. I'm like, Uh, We do not want you to be our Messiah. You're not going to be our shepherd. We're to say that you're demon-possessed and you are insane. And not not just a few. There are a lot of people. That is the conclusion. Now, there's a bunch of nonsense, this whole Jesus bit. On the other hand, though, verse 21, others are saying, well, wait a second here now. These are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of a of the blind kenny you see only the messiah only god could open the eyes of someone who's been born blind or someone who's been blinded and that's what occurs in john chapter 9 and they're saying wait a second his works and his words this isn't an insane individual or a demon possessed individual he's doing everything that the messiah is to do so the question i just want to ask you is um what's going to be your decision Where do you land on the issue of Jesus being both Savior and Shepherd? I mean, think about it. Sheep, we just understood why they need shepherds. But don't you need a shepherd? I mean, think about your own life and your needs and your fears and the problems you face and all the unknowns. Do you really think you're going to go it alone? I can tell you that if you reject Jesus, there are hired hands... There are thieves and robbers that are going to love to accommodate you and to take you in and to mislead you and misguide you. 
and it'll be a wasted life for eternity. Or you can have the goodness of the word, salvation from sin, someone to lead you, to guide you, to be with you, to provide for you. And I, I just want you to know there is no greater joy than to know Jesus as shepherd. I find myself in these last couple of years and some of the trials that our families had to go through and I'm just like praying or just praying with my kids or our family, just praying this, Lord, thank you for shepherding us. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I thank you that you are shepherding us. So what will it be? Will you trust in the true shepherd, Christ himself, or are you going to buy into the false ones that are out there? So friends, you know what? This Christmas, you're going to get a lot of gifts, right? Or at least you're hoping so, right? Hopefully they'll have more than just nothing in them, but maybe not. You know, some of you are going to get some really cool gifts. Some of you are going to get some gifts that you're going to take back, returns, or re-gift, Right? Just don't give it back to the same person. That's always a bad situation. Okay. But I'll tell you the greatest gift by far, the greatest gift by far is Christ himself, who is both savior and shepherd. So let's pray. Lord, how we live depends on whom we follow. And Lord, we are coming before you this morning having had a time of just great worship and gathering with your people and now opening up your word and to see that Jesus, who was Savior, dying for our sins and rising again, is also shepherd to guide us, to lead us, to care for us. And Lord, for someone who has come here today and their life is a picture of a sheep without a shepherd, Chaos, broken relationships, pain, unknowns, not even knowing what end to, what way to go, sin, brokenness. Would they just pray with me and say, Lord, I turn from myself and my sin. You are near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. You are a savior and a shepherd. And this morning, I trust in you. I believe in Jesus. Lead me. Guide me. Provide for me. Give me the abundant life that you speak of because I so desperately need it. And Lord, for all of us, this Christmas, help us to just rejoice the fact that Emmanuel has come, God with us. That he's brought salvation and that he is a shepherd, one who cares, guides, loves, leads, heals, and corrects his people. So fill us with your joy, and may we just continue to rejoice in the gift of Jesus. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.